Welcome to Between the Lines, a podcast for middle schoolers all about books. From the newest releases, to under-the-radar reads, to the latest in YA news, get it all here. I'm Jen Jewell from Richmond Public Library. And I'm Barbara Haas from Richmond Public Schools. Each month, we'll be hosting a new middle school student as our guest host. This month's guest host is Natalie. Natalie, would you please introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Natalie. I'm in seventh grade. I'm 11 years old. Actually, no, I'm 12. I just turned 12. And I like to read books. Yay! Thanks for joining us today, Thanks Natalie. for having me. So this is episode five of Between the Lines, our podcast dedicated to books for middle schoolers. We're so excited to be talking to you about some awesome books that we're currently reading, our favorite love and friendship stories, and some YA news. So let's get started and let's talk about what we're currently reading. Barbara, do you Oh, want I'd to go love first? to go first. Okay. So I'm about halfway through The Spectre Queen by Jenny Elder Moak. And I recently finished Hood, which is what I thought I was going to be talking about, which is her debut novel. They're by the same author. And I really loved Hood. So when I saw The Spectre Queen available as an arc, it's going to come out this summer. I totally jumped on it. I wanted to read it. So Hood is about the daughter of Robin Hood and tells the classic story from the perspective of Isabel, who has grown up in a convent with her mother, not knowing anything about her father. And I think it's so funny that, again, I'm going to be talking about classic retellings. <laughs> which I always seem to be attracted to, even when I'm not thinking about it. So the Vector Queen is about Sam, who is a young girl who has lost her father in the Great War. And she lives in the shadow of her wealthy best friend, Joe. Now, this story is loosely based on the classic Little Women, which I have to admit to all of our listeners, I've never read. But both of these stories are tributes to strong women, which I totally love. Isabel in Hood is a talented archer, no surprise there, because her father is Robin Hood, and Sam is a puzzle-solving whiz. Both stories are action-packed, edge-of-your-seat page-turners, but the puzzle aspect in The Spectre Queen puts this story on the top of my list. I'm about halfway through, but I'm loving following Sam and her friends solving the story's ciphers, all while trying to evade danger. And there is just enough romance in both books to appeal to the romantic in me without seeming too sappy. And it also, it doesn't distract from the story at all. So I am definitely going to order both these books for the library and would recommend them for any age, middle to high to older people like me. And The Spectre Queen is going to be a series. So this just might be one of those series that I read all the way through. And I think Jenny Elder Moak is going to become a household name. Ooh, they sound good. I love them both, but they're the tone is very different in both of them, which I like. Well, it means that the author it has, you know, has reigned. <laughs> so you said the main character in the Spectre Queen is Sam? Sam. It's short for Samantha. So does she correlate with one of the little women? I am not entirely sure, having not ever read Little Women. I mean, I know that it's based on sisters. 
And Sam is an only child, but she's friends with Joe, who is a character in Little Women. They're best friends and they have grown up together in this small town. So I feel like the relationship between the kids and the antics that they get up to are similar to Little Women. I have read Little Women and I'm trying to, in my head, figure out how those two sort of mesh. It's almost like this book is an adjacent story to Little Women. Yeah, I I think maybe more of an homage than a retelling. Natalie, have you read Little No, Women? not really. Are you familiar with the story? No. But I bet you're familiar yes. with Robin Hood. Robin Hood, yes. Yes. I think a female version of Robin Hood sounds super cool. It's absolutely what attracted me to it. And it's not so much a retelling because Robin Hood has kind of already happened. This is just this the story from a different perspective. But I thought it was very clever. Natalie, what are you reading well, right now? Well, I'm actually reading A Long Walk to Water by Linda Sue Park. A Long Walk to Water is about two different people, Naya and Salva. Salva is a lost boy who is in a refugee camp and is looking for his family. Naya lives with her family and has to walk eight hours every day to get fresh water for her family. Where Naya lives, the water is dirty and her sister got sick because of the water. They finally move to a place where they have a well and are able to access fresh water but not fully fresh. And at the end of the story, you find out how Naya and Salva lives are connected. Wow. Can you give a little bit about that without giving away the story? They moved to a different place and Salva helped Naya build a hole to get fresh water. I love that. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is this a true story? Um, yes, it's a true story. In what country do they live in? I think it was her? either, it was um, in Southern Sudan. Mm-hmm. Southern Sudan? Okay. Wow. We've talked about one other refugee story on this podcast as well. That's interesting. What sort of touched you about this story, Natalie? Well, my school was reading it to me and I found it interesting because it had so much suspense because that was the last boy who was in a refugee camp and he's looking for his family and he had to face many challenges to find his family. That's sad, but probably indicative of a lot of refugee experiences. What I'm hearing about this story that sounds really interesting is that a young person can make such an impact and such a difference in a community that's, you know, really struggling and going through some pretty awful stuff. And to me, that speaks volumes because I think that young people should never underestimate themselves and the impact they can have. And so I love that that this story kind of highlights that. Um, can I tell you why Salva is in the refugee camp? Of course. Yeah. Please. So Salva has her own village, right, with her family. They live well, but they then a war came and that's when everything separated her family and she thinks that either her mom or dad is dead so she's trying to find them she's not sure if they're dead dead so is salva salva is a boy right i thought salva was a boy yeah salva is a boy okay so it's he he's not sure if his family's alive because the war separated him yeah well he's basically a lost boy and then he found the camp he went in there he has breakfast and lunch but not dinner the food is good, but just not good, good. I know that the day-to-day life in a refugee camp is not what we would choose for anybody. Is that why he runs away, Natalie? Does he run away because of the conditions in the camp? Or does he run away just to find his family? He runs away for both reasons, because he wants to find safety. He also wants to find his family, and also he doesn't want to stay in the camp anymore. Yeah. Wow. So do you recommend yes, this for people to it read? Has, it has mysteries, it has suspense and action, but at the end, it all gathers together. 
Sounds good. I'm going to add it to my list. That's great. I think it was a Virginia Reader's Choice book several years ago. Well, I'm reading a book right now that is kind of similar. It is fiction, so it is not a true story, but it is also about a young person that sets out to have an impact on other young people. The book is called Dress Coded, and it's by Carrie Firestone. I chose it because our library is doing a teen reading challenge this year, and one of the prompts for the reading challenge is to read something by or about a teen activist. I chose this book because it fit the prompt, and it's about a seventh grader named Molly, and she starts to notice in middle school that this dress code that the school has outlined is being implemented unfairly, meaning staff at the school are kind of targeting the girls that are more developed for violating the dress code, but ignoring the other girls. So two girls could be wearing the same thing, but a girl who is more developed is getting sort of targeted for violating the dress code. Does that make sense? It does. Yes. (laughs) Molly gets really upset about what she's seeing for a couple of reasons. One, she feels like it's unfair that only girls are targeted by this dress code and not the boys. Two, when the girls get in trouble for violating the dress code, they are pulled out of class, are missing important instructional time and tests. And three, when they do get in trouble, they're feeling very ashamed and embarrassed and almost traumatized by what's going on. So um, Molly decides she's going to start a podcast and she calls it Dress Coded and she invites girls in her school to come on the podcast and tell their stories of being what she calls dress coded or getting in trouble for what they're wearing. So she's sort of this activist in her school to highlight what she feels is an injustice going on. I think that's cool too. I love it when teens become activists. That story really speaks to me as well. And Natalie, maybe you can speak a little bit to it, but I I know that I have seen similar instances in our own school where certain people get in trouble for breaking a dress code and other people do not. Do you, have you ever had any experience with that, Natalie? No. <laughs> um, it reminds me of um, where my son went to high school. There was a big brouhaha with the dress code because they were experiencing something very similar where the girls were getting in trouble. And their reaction to that was all the boys one day wore short shorts to school. Um, And I thought that was a really clever response to the situation. But I think I think it's very true. There's a double standard. And um, I see it every day. Girls getting called out, girls getting dress coded um, and not guys. Well, and one of the, the points that's made in the story is that these are the clothes that are available for kids to buy. That's the style. That's what they're making. And so trying to find something that fits within the parameters of the dress code is very challenging. And so these kids are like, feel like they're stuck between a rock and a hard. That's true as well. Definitely. And it is. And I will say too, like at our school, you are not allowed to wear a hat or a head covering. So sometimes the girls, if they're having a bad hair day, would either leave their hood up or wear some kind of a head covering. 
and they would get in trouble. And you're you're absolutely right. So I think this is a very relevant and current issue. And um, I am absolutely going to read that book. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, I, I haven't finished it yet. So I don't know what the end result is. But I'm really interested in seeing what happens in the story. And it's a big topic. So if you guys are interested in it, you know, I encourage you to talk to your friends if it's something that affects you and check out the book, talk to your friends, have those conversations. Let's move on to our theme of this month's episode, which is in honor of Valentine's Day, we're talking about love stories, wonderful friendship stories, basically great relationships that we've read about. Natalie, I'm wondering, do you want to go first this time and tell us what book you chose for a great friendship? Yeah, love sure. Story? So I'm reading Evie and Bean, No News is Good News. So it's basically just about two friends, Evie and Bean. Well, I call them Evie. Miss Halls calls them Ivy. (laughs) In this book, they're trying to earn money to buy some cheese that is very popular. Their moms won't give them the money, so they decide they're going to try to earn the money. One of the ways that they try to earn the money is by selling potions. And one of the potions is supposed to make the person fall in love with you. So I'm going to read the part right now. Evie nodded, then she giggled. Here's one that makes the first person you touch fall in love with you. And then, ew, gross, touching, Bean shivered. Maybe we could tell it to Nancy, suggested Evie. Too mean, said Bean. Too Nancy, asked Evie. (laughs) I love that. It's such a sweet little response, you know, at a young age to love. (laughs) That's very sweet. And the reason why I chose this topic is because Evie and Bean, they always stick together and they don't have problems. So they always agree on the same page and they don't like disagree. Like if one person says, hey, we should do this and the other says, no, we shouldn't. We should do that one. So they they have a strong relationship, a strong friendship where they can get along and work out their issues. Oh, I think that's Mm -hmm. what we all hope. I think it's good to read about friendships (laughs) like that, too. So, you know, I think that. It's important in all relationships that if you do have a disagreement, that that it's okay and to talk it out and to know that you can find a solution that's respectful to both sides, where sometimes you have to compromise, but it doesn't mean you don't love each other. Hmm. And how entrepreneurial of them to decide that they're going <sighs> to sell love potions. The potions didn't no, work. So <laughs> I was cracking up when the potions didn't work. And I'm like, uh-oh, we had to think of something else. And then they both pop up in their heads. They're like, selling newspapers. And then they had to spy and stalk on their stock on their neighbors. And then they got in trouble because of that. So, But they did earn money to get the cheese. But at the end, they regret doing it because it was not popular anymore and also because they it wasn't what they expected. Did they get in trouble for selling a fake? Yes, it wasn't. They did the spell wrong. So instead of being a love potion, you start sneaking up when you put it on you. Oh, no. <sighs> oh, I do love a good scheme among friends. Natalie, do you have a friend like that? Do you have a Yes, I have ID? two friends. One is Sadie Beth and the other is Deborah. We've been friends for six years and they've always been there for me. And they're they're here right now. So they're just listening to me. Well, tell them we said hi and, um, you know, happy, happy. Well, I think today is the day we're recording is actually Galentine's Day. So that is a celebration of of our female friendships. So definitely you're celebrating that today. (laughs) Yeah. 
very cool. Well, how about I go next? Please do. I can't wait. Story is called Field Notes on Love, and it's by Jennifer E. Smith. And if you don't know this author, she writes a lot of romance. So if you like romance, you should check her out. Personally, I am not a huge romance reader, but I've been trying to be better about reading outside of my reading comfort zone. So I picked this one up uh, about two years ago and thought it had a really interesting premise. So it's about two people. One is a guy named Hugo. And sadly, Hugo has just been dumped right before he was set to go on a romantic cross-country train trip that he planned with his girlfriend as sort of a last hurrah before they go to college. Unfortunately, the tickets are non-refundable and non-transferable. So he gets this bright idea that he's going to post an advertisement online looking for a person to take the tickets. One ticket, he would still use the other one. The catch is that they have to have the exact same name as his ex-girlfriend, which is Margaret Campbell. Enter another Margaret Campbell, a.k.a. May, who sees this advertisement online. She is an aspiring filmmaker, but she's just been rejected from USC's film school. And so she thinks, what better opportunity to get away, but also to expand on her work as a filmmaker. So she reaches out to Hugo, and they decide to go on this trip. The initial intention is that they're just going to be there together. They're not necessarily going to be travel companions. But as romantic love stories go, they have some chemistry. And so throughout this cross-country train trip, they get to know each other better. But they also get to know themselves a little better. And they begin to fall in love. The challenge is when they get off the train and the little romantic bubble that they've created, will they be able to continue? It's a really, really sweet story. You will fall in love with the characters because they're warm and they're realistic and they're very lovable. It's a light, fun read, especially right now. I don't know about everybody else, but I'm having a really hard time reading heavy stuff. And so this is something that will cheer you up. And it's a travel book in the sense that you're traveling across the country and at a time where we can't really do a lot of traveling right now. It's a great escape. I love that. I love both those both those ideas. I, I, I agree with you, Jen. It is hard to read things that are heavy right now. Yeah. I'm curious. I have never been on a train trip. Have either of you? I've never been in in a train trip, but I've been in a plane trip though. Cool. I have. How about you, Barbara? Yeah, I have. Um, ri- I love riding the train. It's so much roomier than an airplane, and yes, it does take a lot longer, but you can just relax, and everybody's so friendly, and it's just so much more comfortable, I think, than flying. And I do love the idea of taking the train across the country, but I've never, I've just done it up and down the Eastern seaboard. I've not taken it any further than that. Would you say it's a good setting for a romance to ignite? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) But I love that premise too, about embarking on this adventure with a total stranger. It's the perfect setting for a romance to bloom. I love it. Yes. 
So what did you pick for your selection? Well, one? I picked for my selection Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell. And I had not read this, but I reread it for this episode. So it had been several years since I read it. But the reason I picked it is because I remembered it being just the sweetest story of this romance. And I was not disappointed. It was very, very sweet. But the story is about two twins, Pather and Wren. So their mother was pregnant and didn't realize that she was having twins. So she was going to name her daughter Catherine. But because it was twins, she named them Cather and Wren. Cather goes by Cath. And it, this is her story. Their mother left when they were very young. And their father is bipolar. They spent their lives really taking care of him. And also, they write fan fiction. And the story starts when their father drops them off for their first year of college. Now, while Wren is very wild and outgoing, Cather is very very introverted and anxious. So while Wren's first semester at college is, is very stereotypical, Cather doesn't leave her room. In fact, she's so nervous and anxious that she just eats protein bars for the first month or so that she's at college because she's scared to go to the dining hall. So she meets Levi because Levi is her roommate's friend from college. Now, Catherine believes that their boyfriend and girlfriend, even though her roommate often has dates that aren't Levi, she still thinks that they're romantically involved. But because Kath is so not in tune or could not feel that somebody would be attracted to her, she doesn't realize that Levi's coming over so often because he's interested in Kath she thinks he's meeting her roommate. So I love the way that Levi tries to court her unfolds throughout the book. I will say that the unfolding of their romance is very sweet and heartfelt. And I cried a lot the first time I read it. And even the second time when I read it, when I knew what was coming. But I also like that it's a story within a story because we are reading Kath's fan fiction at the same time that we're experiencing her first year at college. So it's a love story within a love story. Also, even though I totally picked this book because of the boy-girl relationship in the story, it also speaks to other kinds of love in the way that Catherine Wren take care of their father the way that they take care and are there for each other, and that the way that they deliver friendships, that all speaks to the power of love. I think Raoul or Roel is a very clever writer, and Fangirl is a read full of feel-good stories, perfect for those cold February nights. I read that one a while ago, and if I remember correctly, there's a really strong friendship that develops between Kath and her roommate, too. Right? Yes, and again, they're so unlike each other. I, I just love the way, I think you say Raoul, develops that friendship between like really throughout the whole, like between unlikely people, right? Like Ren and Cather are different. Her roommate and Kath are different. Levi and Kath are different. Like all these different relationships, but how they're unlikely, but maybe in spite of or because of that, they're very strong relationships. Well, they say opposites. Of this, yes, they do. So that one's a good one. And there are other stories that kind of, I don't know that they're 
sequels or as part of a series, but the fan fiction that Kath writes, Rao actually makes into a book of its own or a storyline of its own. Yes, that is true. I have never read that. And I'm going to be totally honest, all of our listeners, the fan fiction part didn't really appeal to me as much as the story in real time. And, and you know, the fan fiction is really a metaphor and it really plays out in the book as being true to yourself. I think Kath hides in her fan fiction and it really takes her developing her own sense of confidence to come away with that. And that's a metaphor in her relationships as well. I think it can be very comforting and safe to live in something that's familiar and something that you can control. Kind of branching out can be very scary, but I think that's what makes this story so sweet to me is that when she is honest with herself is when she can really have those strong relationships. Yeah, to be vulnerable, to have strong relationships, and that's scary. Yeah. So, Like Natalie, would you say that you know, you obviously have very strong female friendships. Do you think that honesty is a part of that? Yeah, they didn't really trust me. But then the, the first week they began to like know me better. And then they began to trust me just a little bit. I think that's a really good point, Natalie. And I, I hadn't thought about it that way. But trust is, you know, a huge component of any relationship, whether it's your girlfriends or your romantic partner or even your parents. That's a really good point. Thank you for bringing that up. You're welcome. Okay. Well, the last thing we need to do today is go over a little bit of YA news. If you all are ready for that. This is my favorite part. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we are getting a young readers edition of Michelle Obama's memoir, Becoming. And that is set to come out on March 2nd. I actually read the original adult version and loved it. So I'm super excited to see it come out in a young readers edition so that I can share it with teens. And I have a little quote here from Michelle that says, My promise to you is to give you my story in all its messy glory. From the time I struggled in front of my kindergarten class, to my first kiss, and the insecurities I felt growing up, to the chaos of a campaign trail, to the strange experience of shaking hands with the Queen of England. She writes, I hope that as you're reading my story, you'll also think about your own because it's the most beautiful gift you'll ever have. So what I love about this is that Michelle doesn't dumbed down her young readers edition. She still gives you all the good, the bad, the ups and the downs. She just makes it a little more accessible for a younger audience. And I think that teens are really going to enjoy this. And I just want to squeeze in one more piece of Michelle Obama news because I love her so much. If you don't already know, she and Barack started a film company called Higher Ground Productions back in 2018, and they are currently working on a YA adaptation of a new book getting ready to come out called Firekeeper's Daughter, and this is set to be published this spring. It's written by Angeline Booley, and it is a YA thriller that follows an 18-year-old Native girl as she reluctantly goes undercover in a police investigation on her Ojibwe reservation. I selected it as one of my most anticipated YA books for the first half of 2020, and I know the Netflix series is going to be just as awesome. That is great news. And I know, Natalie, you like thrillers, so maybe this is something you'd be interested in. Maybe. That is some good news. I love it. 
Thank you for joining us for this month's episode of Between the Lines. Tune in next month where we'll be discussing our favorite graphic novels. And be sure to follow us on Spotify so you'll be alerted when new episodes go live. And if you're interested in being a teen guest host like me, please reach out to Ben or Barba. Their contact info is in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this month, Natalie. It has been a pleasure to have you on Between the Lines. You're welcome. Until next time, happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading.